I on 2020 episode 145. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, the host that brings you all the news, those things that you need to know coming up to the 2020 election. I am keeping an eye on all the news for you, all of the events, anything that happens. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on those things for the next 16 months because that's what I am here to do is to help you to have the best decision making possible whenever you hit that voting booth in 2020. I can also help you to have those nice conversations with your friends and so forth. Uh, Lots of excitement coming up next week with the debates. Note, there's really been no changes in who's going to be attending those debates. I think there's one new person, and like one person dropped out, and then you're going to have one new person in that debate, but it's all pretty much going to be the same, as well as you're going to have a a second matchup between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. So that should be exciting to see. I'm sure Joe Biden will be well prepped on how to handle her. She's going to come on in there with, you know, boxing gloves on pretty much. She might even take those boxing gloves off and try to go for a straight up brawl in order to get some of those votes. Cause she is trying to, it's her and Cory Booker, right? Those are the two that are trying to get the African-American vote. And it seems like Joe Biden does have the African-American vote across the country right now. And they're there. I mean, in order for those two to really get the recognition that they need, the the polling numbers that they need, Kamala Harris really has to get some of the African American African American vote to come her way. I hate to speak about this in those terms, though. Like it's uh, the identity politics terms, but that's how the Democrats look at it, right? They look at each individual voting block as a certain group of people that are all going to vote the same. And African Americans tend to vote, you know, down the line. I think 85 to 95 percent of the time they're going to vote Democrat. So they're all trying to get that particular voting block. And Joe Biden seems to have it, especially in South Carolina. I was looking at Joe Biden. He is on, on the polling recently, and he is really kicking some butt in South Carolina. He's up by like 15 to 17 points right now. And South Carolina is one of the beginning, you know, the first states to have primaries as well. You have Iowa, New Hampshire, and I think it's then then it's South Carolina and Nevada. And Joe Biden's winning in all of those states. So um, I was actually looking at the polls, and I actually wanted to bring some of those polls to you guys today. So that's the first thing I'll talk about. Then the second thing I want to talk about today is also this Justin Amash. Uh, there was a libertarian debate recently in Massachusetts, and Justin Amash was not there, and uh, they were asking the, some of the candidates what they thought about Justin Amash. So there was five people that were uh, on that debate stage there, and they were just asking them about him, and I was going to talk about that a little bit today as well. But first, go ahead, and if you can, if, you, uh, if you've if you been listening to the show for a while, and obviously you must have subscribed, or else you just really like to click on you know the download button on some of my shows, I'm not sure, but if you haven't subscribed yet because it's your first time listening, go ahead and do that. 
Uh, subscribing is the best way to hear the show tomorrow. You can also go back and listen to some of my shows from previous. I have 144 previous to this one, and I uh, got some good ones out there. So go ahead and listen to some of those. I cover a lot of the politics and a lot of the issues that these candidates talk about as well. And then if you uh, really like what you hear, give me a five-star rating and review. I'd appreciate that. And then if you really, really like what you hear, yeah, I'm using kid terms there. If you really, really like what you hear, you can support the show. You can do that at anchor.fm backslash I on 2020. And if you do that, I would be so excited about that, especially, uh, you know, there's a $2.99, $4.99, and $9.99 option for you. So whatever you feel the show is worth, uh, I think I, if, if you break down the $4.99 option, I think it's like $0.20 cents a show. I put about 20 shows out a month, so uh, I appreciate that, and uh, keep on back and l- coming back and listening, though that is the most important thing, is building up the listenership, and it seems like the numbers are growing every single day, which is uh, very exciting to me, and uh, I, you know, I'm happy about that. You can follow me, ionetheempire.com, and if you type into any of the uh, Twitter, Facebook, minds, you'll s- type in ionetheempire, you'll be able to find me there. I guess if you Google me, you can find I on the Empire as well, and ion2020 if you just Google it, so... Uh, yeah, but listen to some previous shows and then uh, keep on coming back. All right, guys. So first things first, the most recent polls that came out, you're going to be looking at um, Joe Biden is pretty much still in, like he's still pretty much in the lead in all of the polls that have recently come out. It was the, let me look at the poll. I'm looking them up right now, actually, for you guys. It's the uh, most recent polls that came out for CBS News. Uh, they did an Iowa poll, New Hampshire poll, South Carolina poll, Texas, and California. And the numbers are staggering, man. Um, Biden is winning in all of them. So, And that's the early states. You got, you got Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Biden's up by five in Iowa. It's Biden 24, Warren 17, Sanders is at 19, and Sanders has been pretty much stuck at that 19 number, 19% for a while. Harris shoots into at 16th, so she's number four on that list, and then you got Buttigieg, who actually dropped down to 7%. So maybe he's not going to be the sleeper that I thought he was, but he is really campaigning hard in Iowa. I've seen a lot of campaigning going on for this guy. He's a young guy as well. So I don't think that he'll have a problem uh, having the energy to do as many events as he needs to. And he seems like he gets a lot of support out there. So he still might be the sleeper. But if he is going to be the sleeper, he just needs to, he's going to need to have some really good showings in the next couple of debates. But he, like I've said in the past, Buttigieg, he gets a lot of, he raises a lot of money from like the big donors, the big name donors. And he has the Barack Obama and the Hillary Clinton people behind him. But so does uh, so does Kamala Harris as well. She's getting the same people that are supporting Buttigieg are supporting Harris as well. So maybe it'll be a Harris-Buttigieg president and vice president. Who knows? I just know that uh, that I've seen a lot of his stuff on Facebook and also on Twitter. And Buttigieg is out there really campaigning hard. But Biden's still winning up by four in Iowa. And sometimes Iowa's a... You know, one of those states that really, if a candidate wants to win it, if they put their head down and really work hard, they can because it's a it's not a it's not like a normal thing where the person goes to the voting booth and votes. I think that they do like a, a poll where people actually go to the polling stations and they stand up and and say who they support, and then they do a count that way. So it's kind of like a straw poll, I guess is what you call it. But um, 
or it's a caucus is what it's called actually. So it's a presidential caucus. And that means that they're not really, you know, going into a voting booth and voting, but they stand up and they, and they say who they're going to vote for. And it's not really as scientific as it could be, but you know, somebody like uh, a Ron Paul can go in there and get lots and lots of votes. Somebody like, um, I think it was in 2012, wasn't it? Uh, one of the candidates that wasn't like the top tier candidate ended up going in there and winning. So, um, and then New Hampshire though is the primary. That's the first official primary. And then they did a they did a poll on this one as well. CBS News did that. Uh, Biden comes in with 27 percent. Elizabeth Warren comes in at 18 percent. Sanders comes in at 20 percent. Harris comes in at 12 percent. Buttigieg is still at 7 percent in New Hampshire. So. Uh, he has a lot of work to do in there. So do all the other candidates. They're they're basically need to work pretty hard to get catch up to Biden. But he's the one with the most, most name recognition. He does have a lot of people that are are going to vote for him just because he's a safe choice. And I've always said that he is the safe choice. I think if you look at Warren and Sanders, they're pretty much the same person, right? Uh, Warren seems like she has more answers than Sanders, but the Warren people and the Sanders people, I bet you if Warren or Sanders drops out. Most of those people go to either or, right? So if Sanders drops out, then they go to Warren and vice versa. So that's going to be helpful to helpful for one of them once they decide to drop out. But they're both top-tier contenders, so who knows what's going to happen among those two. Harris, on the other hand, she's pretty far left, man. Like, if you look at her, like, she has a lot of the same issues and same beliefs as Warren and Sanders do. But she comes off as someone that's more hard-nosed. You know, willing to take it to the take it to the person that she's going against. So we'll see if that works for her or not. But if she drops out, who do her people go towards, right? And Pete Buttigieg, same thing. Uh, he's trying to run that middle ground between Biden and Warren, though, between Biden and Sanders. He's trying to be like the the center ground between those two. So he's not quite as far left, but not quite as far to the center. Beto O'Rourke has two percent in this poll, and he is. Uh, just slowly going downhill. I mean, he has the name recognition. That's about it. But in Iowa, he has 1%. In uh, New Hampshire, he has 2%. Cory Booker has 3%. Klobuchar has 4% in Iowa. Booker has 3%. Booker has 1% in New Hampshire. So Klobuchar has 1% as well. Um, I see Tulsi Gabbard on there. She has 2% in New Hampshire, but 0% in Iowa, so she must not be really trying to take the Iowa push. I drive around South Carolina a lot, and I see Tulsi Gabbard signs everywhere. Like, she has the uh, billboards everywhere with, like, it says the soldier's heart on it. But then you jump down to the South Carolina primary, and she doesn't even show up. She has 0% in South Carolina, so that seems like a lot of wasted money to me, if you if, if I'm really honest. But Biden has 39% in South Carolina. That's insane versus Sanders with 17, Warren with 12, Harris with 12, Buttigieg with 5. So South Carolina, unless Joe Biden really just screws up, he's going to win South Carolina for sure. Uh, but you know what? Let's get off the polls, guys. That, that's something that uh, I like to cover really fast, but it's not something that's you know we need to take too seriously right now. Those are the ones that are most important polls, though, is the state-by-state -state polls because those are the ones that are going to tell who's going to get the nomination off the bat. Like, if you win Iowa, Nor uh, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, you're pretty strong going into, like, the Super Tuesday when you have Florida and all the other big ones that, that hit up hit as well. So uh, that's pretty important. Now, the national polls still are showing Sanders, or excuse me, showing Biden uh, 
in the lead. So one just came out today and it says Politico Morning Consult 2020 Democratic nomination. And it says Biden's at 33%. He's up by 15% over his competitors against Sanders, Warren, Harris. So I think that they're really taking it to the truth is coming out that the people are really wanting somebody that's electable. The more extreme Donald Trump gets, to be honest with you, the more extreme Donald Trump gets, the more he becomes the guy that the Democrats just hate, the more they're going to vote for, be willing to vote for Biden, I think, because Biden just seems like he's more electable than Donald Trump. And everybody else has to get into that view, get into that place of being the electable person. Sanders probably not electable man i mean he he does beat donald trump in these head-to-head polls but i just don't think when you when people really get down to it down to the nitty-gritty are they really going to pull that little thing pull the trigger for sanders the socialist you know i just don't think they will same thing with warren she might come off as the person that has a lot of the answers but when it really comes down to it she's she's it's a loose you know it's a it's, she's a loose cannon. You, she, she's not predictable. She's somebody that really wants a huge amount of change in America when most people resist change in America. So we'll see how that works out for him. But Biden is definitely winning on the national polls as well. So let me hop into the last part of the show as well, which is this libertarian presidential debate thing that happened in Massachusetts. And uh, Reason Magazine was there, so I'm actually pulling from their website and it says libertarian presidential candidates prefer each other over Justin Amash. And then the 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 head, that was the headline. Then right below that says I don't think he would be a great candidate for us. Says one of the independent congressmen's leading would be competitors, or says of one of the independent congressmen's would be competitors. So most of these people they do not think Justin Amash would be the best candidate. They this is what it is. So Justin Amash can basically come in in May of 2020 and go to the national convention declare like like what happened with uh, William Weld in 2016 right William Weld goes to the national convention and he within like an hour of getting there he becomes a libertarian lifelong member or something like that but still he becomes a libertarian right before he gets there and then he goes in there he's calling himself the og libertarian been around forever been a libertarian forever ran massachusetts as a libertarian whatever when he was really republican the entire time but he was libertarian leaning and then the light version of their libertarianism comes out yeah we're fiscally conservative and socially liberal and that's why you should vote for us. We're kind of like the middle ground between the Democrats and the Republicans. Look at those two. They they fight it out all the time. Well, most people are libertarian. I mean, aren't you fiscally conservative and socially liberal? I think we, we all are. And that's that was their message to America. And I think people in the Libertarian Party were really furious about that. I mean, it is true. In 2012, Gary Johnson ran as a Libertarian nominee. And then William Weld goes in there to run as the VP. Now, in the Libertarian Party, the the vice or the presidential candidate does not choose who his vice president presidential running mate is going to be. The Libertarian Party, what we do is in the party is each of them runs their own campaign, and then people vote for them. So 
But Gary Johnson says that's his that's his pick, that's who he wants to run with him, and he became like the Libertarian Dream Team. But a lot of Libertarians were really frustrated at that situation because there were some good, strong Libertarian people that were running for the for the nomination that were like strong, you know, idealistic libertarians, right? The people that believe in liberty, the people that believe in the libertarian message, they believe in every part of the libertarian doctrine. They're principled. Like there's a lot of people that were on those stages that were that were principled libertarians. Then you have William Weld that comes in there and uh he gets elected only because they're going to make this the Republic or the Libertarian Dream Team, and that he's going to raise a bunch of money, and it's going to be so great, and we have our chance to beat Donald Trump and Hillary, and so forth. A lot of people got frustrated by that, and you can see it in a lot of these people when they're talking. They say the same thing. They say this cannot be the fourth time that we elect somebody to run as a Libertarian who was once a Republican. So I think it happened in 2008, 2012, and now 2016. And then 2000, I think it was what, William Barr or something like that was a 2008. Then he had um, Gary Johnson in 2012 and 2016, right? And then they're saying, well, we can't have that happen again. But Justin Amash, I mean, to defend the guy, he's, pretty, he's a pretty strong libertarian overall. I mean, if you look at his voting record, if you look at how he is, he's a pretty strong libertarian. Now he's a conservative, so he's against, my, like he's pro, pro-life over pro-choice, I guess. I don't know how he would vote on that specifically if it came to him if he was like the president of the United States. But, I mean, he, he typically leans towards a pro-life stance, I would imagine. Um, so that there's, there's things that go outside of the normal libertarian group, but a lot of libertarians are pro-life as well. And they're willing to have the government stand up and say no. But, I mean, is that the only thing that you're going to base that on, that that guy should not get elected? I have no idea. Um, he used to be a Republican. Yeah, he just became an independent. So I'm, I mean, in, de- in defense of him, if you look at his view and if you looked at him when you were, when he was a Republican, you were damn sure saying, wow, this guy's great. I wish that they were all like him in Congress. So why are we going to, like I said this yesterday, why are we going to hate on him for the t- 10% that we might disagree with him on when there's 90% there? He's 90% of the way. And he has the name recognition too. So I mean, in his defense, I think that it's um, I think that they're a little bit hard on him. But I guarantee you, if this guy ran, if Justin Mosh decides to run, which he probably will, all these people need to get behind him because he definitely is way better than Gary Johnson when it comes to messaging. And Gary Johnson is just a light libertarian, which that's fine. I said it yesterday. There's a place for all of those people within the liber- within this liberty movement, but Justin Amash is a little bit more than just a light libertarian. I mean, he's as close to a Ron Paul liber- a Ron Paul libertarian as you can get. I'm sure about that. And we all like Ron Paul. I think the only people that don't like Ron Paul are some very strange libertarian people i guess you know or the people that maybe just get defensive because he has you know he was he was in congress before or something i don't know i mean i don't worship the guy's feet by any means but he is definitely the biggest motivator of the libertarian movement in the last in the in the 21st century for sure nobody has brought more people to the libertarian movement than him if you ask almost everybody 
in the libertarian movement that's over 27 probably or 28 they probably say something to the effect of yeah ron paul brought me into this that is not the case for me specifically but a lot of people i mean if you listen to podcasters and there, there's one lions liberty is a show that i listen to a lot and he always says how did you get into libert- libertarian movement what brought you to liberty that's like his opening question with every interview that mark claire does on the lion's liberty and they he's he says what brought you to libertarian movement and like half of them are saying well you know back in 2008 there's this guy named ron paul back in 2012 there's this guy named ron paul i got caught up in the ron paul revolution so yeah that i mean justin amash is probably as close to him as you're gonna get and that's a good thing he has the name recognition as well so um these candidates that were on the stage there was five of them there was Kim Ruff, there's Arvin of O'Hara, there's Adam Kokesh, there's Max Abramson, and there's Dan Taxation and stuff, Ber- Berman. Now listen, I actually noticed when this Dan Taxation and stuff, Berman guy got nominated or decided to submit himself to the Federal Election Commission. I thought it was the funniest thing. This guy's actual name, he changed it, is Dan Taxation and stuff. That's amazing, by the way. I must say it. Dan, that's amazing that you would actually do that. You are a serious, seriously principled libertarian. <laughs> Holy cow. That's amazing. So, and then there's, there's one person that's in the state house of representatives, representatives of New Hampshire named Max Abramson. And uh, he's running for the Republican nomination as well. I believe... It was Kim Ruff who actually won the straw poll. Now, given there's only about 15 or 16 people that voted in the straw poll, so that's not hard to do, I would imagine, but she must have had the best message. And it did sound like she was trying to, she was, from what I heard, she was towing a middle ground in some ways and saying, yes, I am an extreme libertarian. I'm like, I think she's a true anarcho-capitalist libertarian, but she also says, but we live in the real world and we have to have real world solutions to these issues. I think I like the way that she would say that, if that's exactly what she said. I, this, there's no video of this entire debate. I'm just going by what I've heard people talking about with re- regards to this debate. If that's, the princ- if that's the way that she's going, I think that that is a phenomenal message. Because a lot of people are stuck in this, princ- this, this um, fantasy world of... The libertarian movement and the libert the pr- being principled when the reality is is that we live in the real world and you have to figure out a way to navigate through that real world in order to get the principles that you have to align with the world that we live in now or the principles that we have to align with the world that we have now one day that'll happen and the way that's going to happen guys is this we have to get out there and talk to our friends and share the message of liberty with them that's it. I say that every single day. Get out there and talk with your friends and share the message. And then the principles that we have will line up with the world that we live in. We can only change the world if we change the hearts and minds of the people around us as well. It has to happen from a cultural perspective. That's what that's what has to happen. So, hey guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show today, though. Uh, go ahead, if you can, if you haven't done it yet, subscribe to the show. I'd really enjoy a five-star rating and review from you as well. Thank you for all those have done that have already done that. And if you haven't done it yet, go ahead. 
go ahead. I'll read it on the show, all right? Uh, and also, you can drop me a line right at IamTheEmpire.com. If you just want to communicate, I'll respond back. As well as uh, if you send me like a story about yourself, I will go ahead and read that on the show on the show as well and let other people know what you're doing in the libertarian movement. All right, but go ahead and come back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020.